And that's what Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. That's a hard prayer to pray, isn't it? I mean, when you think about your life, when I think about my life, when I think about my desires, when I think about the desires of my friends, the people I know, the people around me, when I think about that, it's hard to say, not my will. Most of the time, truly, that's how we live. We live for my will. What do I want? How do I see the world? What's good for me? What's good for those around me? Jesus isn't like that. And aren't you glad? Because in a moment where it mattered, where life could become something that would be given to you, given to me, given to us, not just this life, but a life that overcomes now and that maintains an existence forever that is beautiful, that is glorious, that is wonderful beyond anything we know. To get there, Jesus had to say, not my will, but yours. This evening, I, I want you to dwell upon this. There is no resurrection Sunday without a crucifixion Friday. A friend of mine sent that to me today. And, and as I read um, what they sent me in a text, I, I sent back to them and said, I needed that. I needed that today. Because in, in our lives, the power to truly live, it only occurs when we crucify the things that truly need to die. The power to truly live as a follower of Jesus, it only occurs as Jesus said, you can be my follower if you will take up your cross and follow me. The power of what we talk about this evening as we think about what we're about to do, honestly, it's for those who love Jesus. It's for those who follow Jesus. You see, you wouldn't want to take uh, a cup and a piece of bread and do something that is ritualistic unless it truly meant something to you. You wouldn't want to participate in this evening unless you understood the power of what it means to die. Because Jesus, that's what he did. He died for us. And before we run to a resurrection Sunday, which is amazing, and I, I'm excited to celebrate the true power of the gospel, we come to a crucifixion Friday. And on that crucifixion Friday, that's where we truly learn to live. Do you realize the moments of life truly that we miss so often, they're right in front of us? The moments to experience the life of Christ, to crucify ourselves and the things that need to die within us to truly give us life, those things usually stand right in front of us. They're usually right there in front of us. God is using the everyday, the things that we know so common that are right in our midst, but yet we look beyond them. We miss them for so many reasons. And tonight I, I want to take a moment for us before we go to participate in remembering what it means to commune with God, what it means to commune with Jesus. I, I wanna talk about how important it is to live because it's what we do in this moment that creates within us a life that is powerful, that is truly different. And this evening, it occurs when we begin to do one thing, to open our eyes. We walk through life so many times with our eyes closed, figuratively and spiritually. 
we walk with our lives through our lives so many times without seeing what God is doing and there are reasons for that and before we get too hard on ourselves that's true even of those who were with Jesus on that Friday they were with him they were there they were a part of a moment like we're about to be a part of a moment just as they were there so too are we here and we have the moment to open our eyes the Gospel of Luke records such a moment. I want you to look at that with me. In chapter 24, there's a moment where some of those who believed in him, trusted in him, said he was the Messiah. They really didn't see him. They didn't see him for who he was, for what he could do. And tonight I want us to learn from them on how we can open our eyes. The Bible says this, Luke chapter 24, verse 15 and following. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and he began traveling with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they came to a stop looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you possibly the only one living near Jerusalem who does not know about the things that happened here in these days? He said to them, What things? What sort of things? They said to him, Those things about Jesus the Nazarene who proved to be a prophet mighty indeed and word in the sight of God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him but we were hoping we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel indeed besides all this it is now the third day since these things have happened but also some women among us left us bewildered when they were at the tomb early in the morning and they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. And so some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly just as the woman also had said. But they did not see him. And then he, Jesus, said to them, You foolish men. You're slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to come into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things written about himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going and he gave the impression that he was going farther. And so they strongly urged him saying, stay with us for it is getting toward evening. And the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And it came about when he had reclined at the table with them. And he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he 
vanished from their sight. We, like these two disciples recorded in Luke, so many times walk through life with the eyes of our life closed, the eyes of our mind, the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our soul, and quite frankly, so lost in our strength that our eyes are closed to what life truly is. And it takes a death to bring forth life. It takes the crucifixion of things that do not belong to bring to life the things that do. It takes a moment where self must be denied and a cross must be carried. And the beautiful thing about Jesus, he's not like me and he's not like you. When he says something, he does it. When he says, this is the way, he backs up his words with action. <laughs> and quite frankly, he's one of the very few, if not the only person <laughs> that I know that does that. And tonight as we come into this moment, uh, of getting ready to celebrate and remember what Jesus did as a part of a crucifixion Friday that brings forth a resurrection Sunday is a part of a moment where we recognize that some things within us, they must die so that other things within us must come to life. How does that happen? It happens when you and I begin to open our eyes. This is the lesson tonight as we prepare and um, I hope that this truly helps you really embrace what this evening means for you, what this day has meant for you, what tomorrow will mean for you, and what Sunday morning will mean for you. You see, in our lives, for us to open our eyes, it begins with this realization that we all need the life-saving encounters with Jesus that are right in front of our eyes. We all need, each and every one of us need, in our lives, those life-saving encounters with Jesus that are right there in front of us. These two disciples, they were walking through life and there are things that blinded them to the work of God. And I think we can relate to that this evening. And my encouragement is that in this moment, we will begin to lay those things down just for a moment, if not for longer, which would be better, but at least for a moment as we cleanse our hearts and we prepare to commune with Jesus. Because I, I can see within them the same things that exist within me. And these are things that cause me to keep my eyes shut when I encounter Jesus. And perhaps you can relate to these things as well. Because as you go through life, there are things that spiritually blind us. Physically, emotionally, mentally. They blind us in our lives. And those are the things that need to drop for a moment. To allow us to truly be able to see who he is. What he's done and what he's going to do. What keeps us from having true life? What are the things that cause us to really be unable to see Jesus when he's right in front of us, when he's right beside us, when he's traveling with us, when he's present in our lives? What are the things that just blind us? I think we can relate to this because these two men uh, reflected something that I think happens to us. They were lost in themselves and lostness on self is one of the things that blinds us to the Savior who's right beside us. A lostness on self, that's not so difficult. Most of the time, we live for self. 
I mean, that is the natural path. It's the natural path for the believer and the unbeliever. The natural comes against us. The flesh comes against us. And we think and we live mostly thinking about us. That's what we do. These men were no different because as they were going through this moment, what you discover is they're thinking about what they wanted. Well, we thought Jesus would be this. And we're sad because this happened to us. And we struggle because we don't understand this. And they were lost in a moment on themselves. They were lost in a moment on what mattered to them. And they really didn't see that God was in charge of all of it. They really couldn't see that Jesus was working out his plan. So many times we miss the moments where the Savior is right with us because all we really see is ourselves. And, and that's not just looking in the mirror and going, oh, I like what I see. No, um, most of the times we look in the mirror and we don't look at who we really are because we want a image of self to be portrayed, to even try to trick our own minds, hearts into believing that perhaps we're better than we are. Perhaps our emphasis on ourself will gain us something great in this world and maybe perhaps we can trick God with it. <laughs> the beautiful thing about Jesus though, he's still right there. <laughs> he's still right there. He's still walking right there as we even try to discover who we are and what's going on. And we try to deal with that struggle of self because we want it our way. That's what they wanted. And they were lost in a moment on themselves. Have you ever been lost in yourself? Because to truly see Jesus, to have a moment where your eyes are open, means that self has to die. Self has to be crucified. Self has to be denied so that the eyes of the heart can truly be opened to the power of who the Savior is right in front of us. They weren't just dealing with self, and I think that's a reality that we all face. They were dealing with some misplaced priorities. Have you ever dealt with misplaced priorities in your life? Misplaced priorities, I mean, we deal with that in life. We, we have agendas and we have things that we have to accomplish and schedules and things that we're thinking we must do to accomplish X, Y, and Z in our life these men faced it as well. We thought that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. We thought that Jesus was going to be this great politician. We thought that Jesus was going to save the world. We thought that Jesus was going to vanquish our enemies. We thought that Jesus was going to bring down any form of injustice in our world today. And we want to be on his team. We thought that this miracle worker who could bring people back from the dead could surely overcome the emperor and the broken systems of the day. And we thought that this man was going to do that in the flesh. We thought that that's who he was going to be. We thought that he was going to make Israel the preeminent nation above all nations and that we would reign forever right now. That's what we thought. And he died 
he died. You see, you and I, we get the second half of the story, but hold on just a minute. These two people who love Jesus, who saw what Jesus did, who knew the character and the substance of who Jesus was, heard the words of the Messiah give life to them. They did not know yet because their eyes had not been opened to a risen Savior right there with them. They didn't know that yet. And so all of their misplaced priorities came crumbling to the ground. Everything that they lived for and held dearly and believed in turned to ash right in front of them because he died he died he was gone and all of these hopes and all of these dreams and all of these beliefs and all of the good and all of the love and everything that he did as this beautiful wonderful perfect strong human being it's over and they couldn't see. You see, sometimes we look at our lives from our point of view and we elevate our priorities for how we want it to happen and we just can't see <laughs> that God has a better plan. God has a better way. And God's way is something that occurs when we get our self-check right by putting his priorities above our own. And as they begin to express this disappointment to Jesus, Jesus helped them understand there was a higher priority at work. Something that would last a lot longer, that would be a lot stronger, that would be greater, that would span generations, and that truly, if embraced by a heart that was willing to crucify self and place Jesus is the greatest priority truly would become a kingdom that would last forever in the hearts of those who love him there's one more thing they dealt with by the way and I think this keeps our eyes closed so many times to who Jesus is and, and perhaps you've experienced this um, the word is doubt 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 and doubt always creates fear doubt always creates fear doubt always creates discouragement. It's a reaction that occurs within people when they simply don't believe what has occurred. That's what these disciples, these followers were dealing with doubt. How do we know that? Can you imagine for just a moment, you have the luxury for just a moment in this life for just a moment to have Jesus physically walk with you and talk with you and journey with you for a day for a day you get to have Jesus as your own personal audience in the flesh for a day and you get to tell him all about what you think is important you get to tell him all about what's happened and you get to say to Jesus 
Are you the only one who doesn't know anything about what's going on in the world? You'd never say that to Jesus, would you? You'd never say to God, obviously, you don't know what you're doing. Obviously, you're foolish and ignorant of what matters to me. And where does that come from? Doubt. They doubted God. They doubted Jesus. Well, some women, they, they, they came, they went to the tomb. And by the way, this is such a remarkable testimony to the truth of Scripture. Skeptics today will want to challenge Scripture and challenge God and throw up all kinds of garbage against the Word of God. But do you realize for there to be women, to be the first ones to see an empty tomb, that was heretical in that generation. Heretical. And these men say, can you believe this? Some women. They came to us. And they said, the tomb was empty and we can't believe them. But then... Some others ran and saw it, and he's not there. So we doubt. We doubt. We doubt God. We doubt Jesus. We doubt our hopes. We doubt our dreams. We doubt the people who met him and talked about him and said all that. We just doubt. We doubt him. And you must be foolish to be walking with me right now and not understand any of this. <laughs> and if you don't think Jesus has a sense of humor, if you don't think Jesus is going to have a day when he cleans it up, <laughs> and when he wipes the floor with those who are against him, if you don't think that's going to happen, just acknowledge this fact that Jesus says, call me foolish again. You foolish disciples. Have you not even read what the Bible says from the very beginning? Let me start with Moses. And let me show you here. And let me show you another point through the prophets. These people who spoke generations ago. Let me show you. They're talking about Jesus. Let me show you here. Oh, those Psalms in the middle of the Bible. Those Psalms. Guess who they're about? Let me show you here. King David, when he talks about his Messiah, let me show you here. Let me go through the generation of the fall of Israel and let me show you here. And let me show you all of these things about this man that you call Jesus. Don't call me foolish and don't you doubt God. <laughs> and it's in all of these moments with their eyes closed that Jesus began to do something to have their eyes opened. And we all need a life-changing encounter with God that will open our eyes that occurs in the everyday moments, the everyday moments. So how can we have our eyes opened and learn how to truly live? How can we have our eyes opened so that we can learn how to truly live. Number one, we have to learn to become aware of his presence. 
If you want to learn to have your eyes opened, then it requires this recognition. My friends, that Jesus stands right there with you right now. That Jesus walks through life with you right now. That Jesus is the same Jesus that did miracles and he can do that in your life right now. My friends, you are here tonight and you are preparing your heart to participate in communion, the reception into our bodies of the remembrance of the Lord's Supper. You're preparing to do that. Why? Because Jesus is within you. His spirit lives inside of you. His presence dwells upon you. He is Emmanuel, God with you right now. Now have the eyes of our lives, the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our mind, the eyes of our soul, our eyes open to him. It begins with an awareness that Jesus He's with me. He's with you. And if you love him, he's with us. Secondly, these disciples, as they learn to be aware of his presence, for you and I today, we have an advantage that they didn't. And Jesus showed them this. And it's true today, just as it was for them. If you want your eyes open to who he is and what he can do, then it requires that we dwell in his word to dwell in his word. Listen, I, I believe that one of the things that the last year of life has shown us is that there is no substance in this world. It doesn't matter what the cause is, it's divisive. The agenda is, it's broken. But the word of God, substance. The word of God, answers. The word of God, truth. The Word of God, revealing of promises. The Word of God, explaining His plan. The Word of God, telling us He's not finished. The Word of God saying, one day I will gather my children. Oh, and by the way, those who are mine, no one can take them away from me. No one. Not hell itself. That's what the Word of God says. Do you realize that Jesus had to tell His own followers, don't take it too hard on yourself right now, but perhaps on this Easter it might motivate you to help you. Boy, I want my eyes open to who He, who he is and who He was. Jesus had to tell His own followers back then, hey, have you not looked in the Word lately? Oh, no, you didn't, preacher. Oh, yes, I did. Have you not looked in the word lately? Because quite frankly, you can't see God. You can't see his plan. You can't sense his presence. You can't overcome that sin, that temptation, that broken, brokenness, that darkness, that issue of life. You can't beat it. If you don't look into the word. And Jesus said to his own followers then, Here's the answer, 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 here's the answer. Which one do you want? Pick one. I'm there. And 
just as he was there in the word for them then, so too, guess what? The eyes of our hearts can be opened even tonight by knowing that he is with us now and that he reveals himself through his word, just as he's doing to your hearts right now. Dwelling in his word brings life. It opens our eyes. And that prepares us for the final thing. It's not just recognizing his presence. It's not just understanding the truth about who he was and what he did and what he's going to do because of who he is. Ultimately, if we want the eyes of our lives opened, the eyes of our hearts, our soul, and our mind opened in such a way to truly live, then the final piece is this, and this is what we're about to do and what it really means. Our eyes are opened when we learn to commune with Christ. We learn to see who he is and what he's doing. The eyes of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, they come together and we begin to see him for who he is when we commune with him. Do you realize the exact moment that they realized that Jesus was with them? Do you realize when it happened? It wasn't when they were walking. He was there. It wasn't when they were in the Word. He explained it to him, best preacher ever. But it wasn't then. When was it? He feigned as if he was going further. I love him. <laughs> I'm going to trick you and think I'm not going to go with you. But he knew all the time he was going to stay with them, just like he's going to stay with you. He knew the whole time. He just wanted to see what they would do. And so they pleaded and they begged, dude, you're really smart. Why don't you hang out with us a little bit longer? We'd like to know more about you. He said, sure. Let me come into your house. Let me enter into where you are and where you're going. He reclined with them. When's the last time he did that with the 12 at a dinner that's called communion? He pulled out the bread before them and he blessed it. When's the last time that he did that with the 12 at a dinner called communion? And he broke it. And when he broke it, their eyes were opened. To commune with Jesus is to know not only that he is with you, that he is who he said he was, that he will do what he said he will do, that he is God, that he is the Savior. But to have the eyes of our lives open in such a way that is powerful and life-changing, even tonight, as we are reminded, is to join ourselves with Jesus to join ourselves in communion with the one who allowed his crucifixion, his body to be broken, and to shed his innocent blood as a sacrifice before God to open our eyes and to set us free and to teach us how to truly live. Tonight, in just a moment, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper together. 
between now and then, I want to give you a moment within your heart, even as we pray, even as we sing. How about we take a moment and recline with Jesus? Commune with Jesus in our hearts so that we can see him for all that he is. Father, I thank you right now for each and every one of your sons and your daughters who with authentic faith and desire to have their eyes opened to see you. God, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you are working your powerful will to change us from doubters to believers, to change us from selfish to selfless, to help our motives become your motives and to allow us in moments of communion to see you right here in our midst, in our lives because of who you are. Jesus, thank you for what you did. In your name I pray, amen.